Welcome to the Dream Big Nation podcast. In this show, veteran recruiter, wealth mentor, and entrepreneur, Lisa Williams, will take you on a journey of exploration and discovery to learn what it takes to hire yourself. Are you ready to dream big and grow into the person you're meant to become? If so, you're in for a treat. And now, here is your host, Lisa Williams. Hello, friends. Welcome back to our Dream Big Nation podcast. I'm Lisa Williams, your host, and I'm really excited to bring a story of clarity to you today. I have a new friend, Miss Dolores Hirschman. We met online a couple months back, and Dolores is an internationally recognized strategist, a coach, speaker. She's had many iterations of herself, most presently the founder of Masters in Clarity. So I'm really excited to get some clarity from you, my new friend. Thank you, and welcome to our show. Thank you, Lisa, for having me. Absolutely. So let's just get right into it. You know, one of the things that I like to do, first of all, is share a little bit about how did you get to be this founder of this company, this, you know, multi-million dollar firm that is now serving so many others. You've had a lot of iterations of yourself, but Tell us a little bit about the backstory and how it started and more importantly, really how you really truly serve your community. Absolutely. So, you know, I'm one of those people with more ideas between waking up and the first cup of coffee than, I don't know, I guess that's who I am. And it's amazing, fun, and incredibly frustrating. And so I have held different jobs. I've started multiple companies. And in my late 30s, you know, right before my 40th birthday, and I am about to have the next one. So we'll see what happens in a year and a half when I turn 50. But but when I was about to turn 40, I was literally, I was a mom of four. My kids were all under 10, 12 years old, more or less, 10 years old. And, and I don't know why, but I was really like, I've always had the feeling that I always had to do more and more and more. That there was something I had to do big. And I started getting like worried at, at the end of my 30s because I was doing a lot of things, but I wasn't clear of what was the, my through line. What was really, was it really that I needed to do? And I went back to school for coaching and part of my going through my identity crisis, I said, okay, maybe this is a path. I became a CTI accredited coach, ICF certified, which for those that don't know, is the International Coach Federation, is what most coaches working in corporations are. That's the organization that kind of certifies that you've done the work and that you're trained. And I did all that, launched my coaching business as a life and executive coach, and I loved it, but I liked it, but didn't love it. And what I didn't love about it is that I was helping people get unstuck and come up with their new next adventure, whether it was starting a business, launching a new product, or building a new team if they were you know, a C-level executive in a com- com- corporation. And then they would go and find a strategist to walk them through that. I'm like, whoa, whoa, wait, that's what I love to do. Like, I like to do that. But I love the strategy. For me, the strategy is like looking at something that is just an idea and mapping it, the path to it becoming a reality is where I love to live. And so that's when I started slowly shifting. In the process, I became a TEDx organizer, which kind of clarified even more 
what is it that I could help those people with ideas? And I and I recognized that I had a skill set in first of all in communications. That I had a skill set in helping people think very subjective or complex ideas into clear communication pieces that their audiences could understand and react to, meaning get on board, follow them or whatever it was. And so in that mix of, of I'm kind of found but not too much phase of my life is where I realized that the one thing I can do, I've always done and I will always do for the rest of my life is make a confusing thought a clear thought, a confused mind into a clear thinking mind. That's what I've always done. And so that's where Masters in Clarity was born. And what we do really is we are not Masters in Clarity necessarily. We actually help our clients become Masters of their Clarity. So what I do is I look at the problems that my clients have and I understand the problems to such a point that, yes, of course, I can help them solve it. I don't want my clients to need me all day long. I want them to learn how to fish. So what really what we are known for is we create frameworks. We call it we call them thinking frameworks. Think of it as a, a sand a sandbox. A sandbox has four walls. And without those four walls, the sand will go. I mean, I have a sandbox out my window. There's, if it wasn't a four piece of wood around it, the sand will be all over my yard, killing my grass. But with the four walls of the sandbox, the sand stays in those four walls. It's restricted to some extent, but it allows you to create in it. So a thinking framework, it stops the spilling of all of the thoughts and ideas all over your life and killing your grass. And it kind of brings all of the thoughts and sometimes confusing ideas into a framework. And in that framework, which feels a little bit safer and a kind of a way of, of moving the ideas around, in that framework, you can solve any confusion in your head. That was a long answer. I love that so much. And you gave me, you gave me so many directions that I can go. So I want to, let's talk about that iteration of finding something you liked but not, not, it wasn't that you loved it. And because I think so many people, they get in that cycle of, let's face it, we're part of, we're trained from day one to be part of the system. I was a, the child of the system. My mom was a nurse. My dad was an accountant. I was not part of an entrepreneurial family. I can't remember if you were or not. Were your folks entrepreneurs? My mom is, and my okay. dad behaves as one. <laughs> okay, okay. So I don't know if if Buenos Aires is like this, but I feel like in the U.S., we we used to be this country built on entrepreneurship, and yet now we're 90% employees. And I, I believe personally that 90% you know, that 90% population is actually not super jazzed about their life. That was me. And so you not only stepped away from corporate life, but when you did land in this entrepreneurial journey, you kept going, you kept getting more clarity. And so let's talk about that. Let's unpack it because I think my experience 
a lot of guests on this podcast are people that I like to say they've hired themselves. They've they've stepped into this role of solopreneur or business builder, but then they actually often just trade one hamster wheel for another. <laughs> so how do you get how do you get people unstuck and businesses unstuck? Let's talk about that a little bit. So first of all, I have a secret weapon. Is that so in the outside, I'm a communications and business coach. You come with your business, I'll help you grow it. That's all pretty. But in the inside, I'm also, I was born with the capacity, like I, coaching is what I love and I'm trained to do it. So while I don't love it enough to run a business on it, I love the art of coaching the art of understanding a human to such extent that you can, by understanding how to understand a human, a person, and also understanding and knowing how to run, scale, and optimize a business, I have no, I, I'm not limited in my thinking. What I mean by that is I am very comfortable in how to grow a business in many, many ways, I don't have one recipe. And if you don't follow a recipe, you're going to be doomed. I know the philosophy behind building businesses. I've been building businesses before the internet existed. And I, I'm that old. You know, my first business, when I was 19. That was 1990. I'm trying to do the math. I don't know. 1991. Okay. And so because I understand business to such a, in such a, deep level, when I understand a person, understand what makes them tick, who are they, what's their personality, we do a lot of personality tests in my company, I'm able to help that person create the strategy that aligns with who they are. My ultimate goal is my business owner feels that they're never working, that they're only having fun, at least 80% of the time. And if you do that well, and you delegate the other 20 or build a system, a team around you, yes, you're going to get tired if you're going to work or play. I mean, even if you play 10 hours a day, you're going to need a nap. But literally, you asked me, did I, had a, I said, I've been traveling a lot. And you say, I hope it was for play. Yeah, hard to say. I only travel for play, even when I'm working. I love that. I love that you said that because I feel the same way. We, we are close in age. I actually already hit that. 50 year mark just back in January. And I am more excited about life than I've ever been in mm -hmm. my entire, you know, existence. And how many people do you, do you think are really blessed with that feeling? Because my observation is that a lot of people are, you know, just in this kind of cycle. And so when you work with someone, how do you get them unstuck? Because I feel like, like, where do you, where do you even start? If there's a listener, we have a lot of people in our audience that are, they know they, they need to make a change. They don't necessarily, maybe they don't even know what that change is going to be yet, but they know that change is needed. How, how would you encourage that person and how would you coach them? What's the first couple of steps that you would yeah, take? Yeah, so if you're listening to this podcast, I'm talking to you. So I want you to close your eyes or keep them open, but grab a piece of paper and pen, whether you close your eyes or not, but think about 
What is the one thing that is bugging you right now? Whatever that is. What's making noise? What's like if I say what's bothering you right now, whatever comes first needs to be put on that piece of paper. So first is awareness. Like what is happening in your life right now that is really driving you crazy? And that's the first thing we need to do. So write that down. The next thing I want to ask is, okay, if I had a magic wand, what do you want to be celebrating in 24 hours, in seven days, in 30 days, in 12 months? You pick. Whatever that is, is where you're going, whether you believe it or not. Like I would say in 12 months, I would be, actually, I don't know. I should write that down when I'm done with this podcast. (laughs) I need to clarify. Clarity allows us to know our direction. So first we need to understand where we are, what is the awareness of this moment, what is what is weighing on us? Because without putting some wording around that, it's just a feeling and we can't solve a feeling. And it is okay, sometimes there are no words. And if that is your case, then, then I can guide you through a one-minute exercise that, Lisa, maybe you and I can do in, in just a minute because it's really powerful. It literally lasts one minute. But let's assume that you're able to nail down what's, what's bugging you and you know what, where you want to go. That's the beginning of our coaching journey. The beginning of our coaching journey is we have a gap of what's happening, what are you feeling, what are you experiencing right now, what you have in your life. If you're a business owner, you know, right now I have bills and no cash. What do I, what do I want? I want financial stability. Okay. So all we're going to have to focus on, you know, I, I don't care about your website. I don't care about your colors. I don't care whether you have a logo or not. All we're going to coach on is what is the fastest path to cash. And I'll probably say, I want you for the next five days, every day, have conversations with five people. I don't know how you're going to do that. Pick up the phones and maybe you need to send 50 text messages to get five people on the phone. That's 10% conversion. Do that. Maybe you need to send 50 private messages on LinkedIn to people that you haven't talked to for years and you get 50 and you get five. That's 10% conversion there too. Whatever it is you get people on the phone and you share what you have to offer. Not because those people might be your clients. So don't just look for your clients. Look for people that will be excited about what you're doing because five conversations with people that love what you're doing and are not not your clients is much more powerful than five conversations with clients. You know why? Because with five conversations with potential clients, the most you will get is five clients. But five conversations with people who really are impressed with your work and love what you're doing and followed by the question, can you think of two or can you think of four people that I should be talking to that might need my work, that opportunity of five conversations could yield 10, 20, 30, or 40 clients, depending on what you ask. I love that. I love that so much. Simple. So, you know what's interesting? It's... How much work do you do with manifesting what you're, what you bring to your life? So everybody does it their own way. For me, I'm a visual person. And so I remember, so I remember that. So when I said yes to running one of the largest TEDx events here in the East Coast, I originally said yes to just 
renting a small theater with 200 seats and running a one-day event and excited about it. When the biggest stage in town, 1,200 seats, came to us and said, we will do whatever you ask us to do to have you in our state. Like, we will donate the, the, the theater. Like, like, we will do whatever you need us to do. And it's still saying yes was hard because we were now saying yes to filling a 1,200-seat theater. But when we said yes, not sure we could do it, but we said yes, I, could, I kept visualizing every moment of that opening day, what I was going to wear, how my hair will look, how I was going to feel, what shoes I was going to wear, what, what song we're going to play at the beginning. And, and part of it were part of the decision-making, but all of the decisions were made in my head months before we had to pick the music. Mm-hmm. Like it was, it was just a movie in my head that it was created from the inside. Mm-hmm. And I remember standing on that stage with the biggest deja vu I would ever have. Right. Because I had already lived that day fully in my head. Mm-hmm. So that's how I manifest. Wow. And so many people don't really grasp, myself included until recently, the power of our own minds and our ability to create whatever we decide to create. The, th- the thing about it is, Dolores, I re- when you were describing that, I was reminiscing on my days as a gymnast. I would, I would visualize the perfect routine when I was young. And you're, you're so right. I hear that often with professional athlete, athletes. As a tap dancer. That's what I did as a tap dancer. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I was a tap dancer. Oh, that's funny. I don't meet many tap dancers. You yeah, know, yeah, I'm, I, I'm I tap really, dance until 25. <laughs> I'm really intrigued by what did, what was that like a former TEDx organizer? Act like I'm a second grader when it comes to this. I don't even, I can't even imagine you know, what that must have been like and what, what were your biggest takeaways when you decided to leave that role and step into other things? So, so let me just explain. So TEDx is a license that TED gives you to organize an independent event. So it's an independent event from the TED brand associated and you respect all the rules and all that. So it was never a full-time position. It never is a full-time position because there's no money involved. You don't get paid. You can, if you charge tickets, it's because you're paying for the videographer or the food that you're giving the speaker. Like It's really a very shoestring, very low-budget production. Very, very. That's why as a theater that was one, wanted us and invited us was, was a good deal. And so for me, I, I ran the event for three years back-to-back, 15, 16, and 17. And the reason why we decided not to continue, there were many reasons. Number one is it was a lot of work to bring 1,200 people. Uh, the budget of marketing, the effort to do that was was big. In also slow, slightly smallish community. I don't live in a city. I live in, in, in an industrial city, in a post-industrial city. And so that was one thing. The other one was that, again, it was a volunteer. And by 2017, I had, our family had changed. So the first two years, I was a mom full-time. I had a part-time coaching business and my husband was a full-time breadwinner. 
in 2017 that changed for some circumstances that another day, another podcast. And I was in charge of the family finances and still a mom of four, of four children. So I really think it was a more of a personal care decision than anything else. It, I cried and cried when I decided not to continue leading it. I asked my team if they would lead, like they could continue and I would support them, but it wasn't, it, it was a lot of work for everybody. And so it was one of the things that it's when you do something so intense and you do it for three years in a row, you know, it becomes like now it's something that is cool and you're getting to meet so many people and you have an impact, but the adventure was gone because now you like rinse and repeat to some extent. And so it was just too much effort and I loved it, but it was something had to give. Well, and I mean, it reminds me of like, how often do you meet a business owner that there's, there's chapters in business, there's chapters in life. How often do you meet a business owner that there's a, there's a chapter in their service offering that perhaps is no longer serving them or the community. And yet it is that part of the clarity move is, is what's this next chapter? What, what, what are you supposed to be pivoting to or transforming into something else. So what is my next chapter? Is that the question? Well, I'm, I'm just curious. Is it difficult sometimes, do you find, for people to let go of the, that last chapter? And it, it almost hinders their business because they're, it's like their baby or something, you know? Like it is. And, 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 you know, and we all go through this. I actually, so I had a clothing company that I was running until 2008 when the economy went kind of crazy. A lot of my products were coming from Argentina. So that went crazy there too. And it was hard to, to shut it down. And I could have continued with a different, slightly different sourcing model or something, but the original intention of that business was no longer there. The reason why I started it was no longer there. And so it was time to close it. And I could have sold it, but I ended up closing it. And so that was hard. But I've done that three times already. I, I used to run a language school. And I ran it again, again, five, five years. And I said, you guys are going to be five years at the end of December. No, but so the language school, I ran it for five years. And at the fifth year, my kids have moved to a different school and my afternoons where I was more active with, because it was, it was an after-school program. My own children were not participating in the after-school school program. I was having conflicts in being at the school and being with my children. Like literally, it was a couple of weeks when I realized that my kids had been at home with a babysitter every afternoon that week and I was at school with other people's children. And during the day, I was free because... I wasn't working during the day because I was my work started in after school. And I'm like, okay, this is not working. If I'm a full-time mom, I want to do something while my kids are in school, this is not working. And so I tried to give the school to some of my teachers that were working with me, but they were not ready to lead it. And so I ended up closing it. So there's, there's for me, really, a lot of my companies were started out of a specific idea with a specific purpose. And when that idea or purpose was fulfilled, then there was no real reason to continue it. Yeah. I love the idea of helping families create additional income streams. So 
I find it very common for business owners to have all their eggs in one income basket. Do you, what's your opinion about that? How do people get around that? How do you maybe serve your clients in that space? Yeah, a lot I serve by example, of course. And, you know, it's not for everybody and there's a time and place for it. For, for it. I believe that there is an opportunity for business owners to diversify as they evolve, you know, once they feel ready for it. For me, again, I, I am a creative, so I create more products than I can sell sometimes. And so one of the examples, and I think I shared this with you a couple of years ago, I sold one of my products to another business. So I had created a product that I was serving my clients with, but it wasn't a core core product. It was It was a service that we were placing people on stages. And it's something that my clients wanted. It's something that I had built for myself. I solved that problem. And I met this person who has a company very geared to helping people get on stages. And he was doing everything for the client except get them on stages as a service. He was teaching them how to get on stages and he was helping them write their talk and all that stuff, but not done for you option of getting on stages. And so he and I met, this was in 2019, and he ended up buying that out of me. And so right now, I actually run two companies. I run my company, Masters in Clarity, and I'm the director of stage agency with a team, of course. And so I'm diversified. I could I could stop either one and still have an income. And this is an equity partnership. So if, if for whatever reason I'm not working on it, I will have equity on that product for forever. So it's just I'm investing my time in growing that part of that. That is a separate business. And I, for many years, I didn't know how to start how to start something without stopping something else. And that's my lesson. I mean, I started and stopped. I never sold. I started and stopped three companies. This iteration, I started an idea that I was going to grow, and then I ran into this person, and he offered to buy, and I sold it. So that's the first iteration of an idea that kind of moved on, and it's, it's, it was acquired. And that's where I'm moving forward. I am a creative, and I like to start things every five years, as you know. Yeah, I love that. And so my future is, okay, I'm a five-year CEO. So I will give things five years and at the fifth year, I will sell it or leave a, a confident, competent team to run it and I'll go and build something else. Well, and the great part about that is that there's always, you know, how often, for example, do you take an old idea and revolutionize it, for example? Because I think there's a lot of iterations of business that explode the idea has been around forever but it's because what they've done with it is tweak it and mold it and sometimes put the idea upside down and then release it again if that makes sense right so and i'll tell this to anybody wanting to be on a tedx stage there is chances that anybody coming to me with a brand new idea the chances that is that i will happen is pretty much one percent one percent yeah. That anybody, yeah. even myself, anybody will have a brand new idea unless how to grab Earth from Mars and turn it into something. Fairy dust, right. 
So, so pretty much everything out there is a better version of something else. Well, and I love it because let's think about what we're in the midst of. For those watching, you know, listening to this later, we are kind of hopefully wrapping down this COVID crisis and, you know, we're thinking ahead to the future. We know firsthand that innovation happens in times of crisis. There's so many companies that are being formed right now and it's all around, I find it problem solving. I I love that you gave that example of speakers getting on stage because I've interviewed a lot of speakers and that's the number one problem they talk about is I'm not getting on stages. And now like that whole world's been turned upside down. I can't imagine what new things are going to be coming out of that space. Maybe you can talk about that another time. But what would you say, you know, Dolores, as we kind of wrap up here, 20 years from now, they're going to have history books written about this time. Our grandkids are going to be coming home from school. Grammy, I just learned about COVID. Like I heard people went crazy. What'd you do? You know, what, what are they going to, what are you going to share with them, Dolores, about what you did? Well, so what did I do in COVID? I think I worked more than ever in my life. I redefined what a stage is. I placed people in over a thousand stages through the agency that we had launched last year. And when shutdown happened, I spent about a month of my time teaching people from all walks of life, from my brother in Argentina who runs a company with 500 employees to therapists, to, yeah, psychiatric doctors, how to open a Zoom, how to do a Calendly, and how to run their business online. We actually, with my team, we put together a six-week course. Well, it's six weeks now, but in that, if you could sit for, you know, 10 hours straight, you could consume it in a, a day or two. But we put a course called Virtual Business. And we literally created in five days, we create a course with everything you need to know to set up and run a virtual business. And we actually release it to the world for free. We said, you can pay what you can. So we had people paying a dollar, people paying $20 or whatever. And it was everything you needed to know back in March to continue operating, earning an income and serving your market. Oh, I love that. I would love to get a link for that. I'd love I'll to. Get, Do you, yeah, to. so many. I, I meet with so many, you know, very new business owners that are, especially in the coaching space, that are just, they can hardly get out of a paper bag. And that would be so instrumental. I love yeah. it. Well, tell me, Dolores, what are you, what are you excited about right now? What, you know, what is, I know we talked a little bit about the digital focus that you have going right now. Let, let's hear what's next for Dolores. Yeah. So Masters and Clarity's realized, I mean, and through the agency, I realized that there are a lot of people out there that will tell you what to do, will give you advice, will help you make decisions, but there's not a lot of people out there who are ready to help you execute, to implement. I mean, there are VAs out there that are what I call a VA is a great resource in your team, but they're reactive. They don't have a playbook and they're waiting for you to tell them what to do. 
I'm coining a new term called DI, Digital Implementer. And they are proactive, they have a playbook for execution, and they tell you what they need to help you. Oh, I love it. What, at what stage of a business would someone need a DI, do you think? So anybody who's making, let's say that you're making anything between five, 5000 or more. I mean, if you're making $10,000 a month, you definitely desperately need something or someone. Mm-hmm. If you're in the $5,000 a month, three to $5,000 a month, and you're starting to feel that, you know, you like if a, if a new client request comes in, you're not responding right away because you're in the middle of coaching calls, then you need help. Mm-hmm. So it's it. very, very micro businesses because what we do is we set you, we set your foundation from the get-go. We get, make sure that you have some technology systems that will give you some more time back. And that you start building system before you need them so that you never get to the overwhelm. I think that's so smart because I'll tell you, when I first started my business, I did everything backwards. I built a site that I didn't even need yet. I spent all this money on programs that were out of sequence and not in the right you know, time that I needed them. <laughs> So I just, I think that's fabulous. Well, Dolores, this has been wonderful. I thank you so much for your time. Tell us how can our listeners find you and follow you and, you know, absorb your content as well as work with you if they'd like to. Absolutely. You can find me at mastersinclarity.com and, you know, there's a button there that says start here and you can hop on a call with us, but mastersinclary.com and just go find everything we have to offer. Awesome. And you, you dropped the link. I'll make sure we send the link for that virtual business, but what a tremendous gift to um, the world that you gave in that as well. You're a giver, I can tell. So, yeah. well, thank you so much, Loris. It was so great chatting with you and to our Dream Big Nation listeners. I'm so very blessed to be part of your day. I hope these stories are bringing you some insight and inspiration like they're giving me. As always, blessings to you in this amazing life journey. And we will see you very soon. Bye. Hey, Dream Big Nation community. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. If you'd like to learn more about working with Lisa and her team directly, go to lisawilliamsco.com and learn how to hire yourself.